This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, this team's had it in, in all the time. Uh, we've just, it hasn't come out uh, like it did tonight in, in, in some football playing that, you know, that you really, I hope, is something for the players that just gives them confidence. We needed it. We needed it bad. I felt that we just needed this to, uh, you know, just boost our, boost our confidence. Boost our confidence in that, yeah, we can finish the season out on top. I mean, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to worry about anything. We just come, come to work every day, finish off the season, get wins, go to a bowl game, win that too. It's hard to ignore. You know, you try and you try and silence it out, but you know, it, it is what it is. You know, we're not, we're not, we don't live in a vacuum that much. Um, so, you know, we want to play hard. We want to get wins for our coach, absolutely. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. You heard from Chris Jones. Chris Weber, head coach Mike Riley, as Nebraska kind of snuck out a win at Purdue. It was really one of the uglier wins I can remember at Nebraska where seemingly for over three quarters, um, nothing really went right for the offense. Four field goals, no uh, touchdowns, drop passes. The running offense uh, finished with only 40 yards, but they put together two drives when it mattered. They got a win, um, but I still think – Robin, as we look at things going now into Saturday against Northwestern, there's almost more questions coming out of the win than there are things you feel good about. Well, especially when you add in the injury factor. I mean, that offensive line lost two starters, including, in my opinion, the guy who was playing the best of anyone on that offensive line and Michael Decker at center. And so now uh, they're going back to Cole Conrad, um, who lost his starting job after three games, partly due to injury and partly due to poor play. Um, and then at right guard, Tanner Farmer, you know, he, he got dinged up too, and he's been uh, replaced by Matt Farniak, who is moving inside uh, from tackle. And so, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, mixing and matching um, on that offensive line and a lot of questions there of a unit that, you know, has really struggled. Um, you know, they gave up three sacks against a Purdue pass rush that really isn't all that challenging. And along with those three sacks, they had eight or nine hits on the quarterback. And um, that's a testament to Tanner Lee to have the game he did uh, under that type of duress. Uh, but still, I mean, the inability to run the football against a bad Purdue defense um, doesn't leave you feeling very good about the balance of this offense. And so now going forward, um, you know, you're, you're going to play some much more difficult uh, front sevens uh, over the next four games here. And can Nebraska get the balance they want to keep some of that pressure off Tanner Lee? Or is this going to be a deal where this season rides or dies uh, with the right arm of, of their quarterback? I think at this point in the in the season, a win is a win. But coming off that Purdue win, um, it wasn't one of those you know feel good wins. I mean, I think they had an opportunity to go uh, to West Lafayette and and uh, you know put together a nice game, get out of there feeling good about themselves, and, and kind of have some momentum coming into this this uh, home stretch here. Uh, but that that definitely wasn't the case. And much like uh, Robin mentioned, I think those injuries, especially to Michael Decker, uh, you know, after he went out, uh, I think you saw a lot of miscommunication along that line 
um, you know, a lot of missed assignments, missed blocks there. So, uh, except for that final drive, that was probably the best two minutes of football <laughs> that Nebraska played that entire game. So, I mean, I guess you, you can feel good about that, but um, certainly it's going to be a challenge to finish this season out uh, feeling good about things. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we get you ready for Saturday's 2.30 game with Northwestern. It's a Big Ten Network telecast um, as Nebraska. You know, you look at this game, guys, uh, Northwestern, I'm just going to say it. I I don't like this matchup for Nebraska right now. Uh, Northwestern's playing very well. They completely shut down the run on everybody. They face the top four backs in this league, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Akron Wadley, and LJ Scott. They've held that group of four to 269 combined yards. Um, So when you look at the numbers this week, um, it it does worry you. How is Nebraska going to run the ball um, against a defense that shuts the run down on everybody? How are they going to protect Tanner Lee when they know it's a passing down and they're going to bring the heat? This is a defense that sacked Wisconsin, I believe, what, six times, Robin, when they played him, if not more, uh, earlier in the year. So um, I, I worry about Nebraska up front in this game. And then I worry on their defense. You know, uh, I think Northwestern um, has a guy that can really burn them in Justin Jackson. I, I can see some missed assignments with linebackers turning into some really big runs on the edge or up the middle. Um, there's just a lot, guys, that worry me about this matchup. I don't really have a good feel for Saturday. Yeah, and you add in the fact that they have a veteran quarterback in Clayton Thorson who is a dual-threat guy. And, you know, Mike Riley, uh, you know, has had his issues containing him um, as, a, as a scrambler, not necessarily with designed runs, but when plays break down, uh, Thorson's ability to run and pick up big chunks of yards has been a problem. And as we've seen over this course of this season, when Nebraska plays that type of quarterback, they have issues. And so um, you add in having to contain – uh, a guy in Justin Jackson who will probably end his career as one of the most productive running backs in Big Ten history, maybe even college football history. Uh, then you have a, a pretty savvy quarterback, too, who, um, you know, has had his way with Nebraska over the past few years. And uh, I guess the one bright spot is Northwestern's offensive line might be even worse than Nebraska's offensive line right now. Um, they have not protected the quarterback whatsoever, which is why it's been so important. Thorson's uh, mobility has been a factor because uh, he's had to evade a lot of pressure. Um, and so I, I think that that's one way um, Nebraska you know, might be able to keep this game under control is if their front seven steps up and plays the way they did at the end of that Purdue Let, let me game. throw one stat out there. The last week against Michigan State, um, I believe he dropped back uh, 48 times on passes, and he was only sacked once. Um, so the O-line for Northwestern played a lot better, particularly in their most recent wins over Iowa and Michigan State. And that was a number 16-ranked Michigan State team who has beaten Michigan this year. Okay, so maybe, so maybe they're not quite as bad as Nebraska right now, but it's still not a strength of the team by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, that's that's got to be an area where Nebraska, if they are going to win this game, they have to win that matchup. They have to, um, for one, first and foremost, shut down the run game. I mean, that goes without saying. But then they also have to find a way to apply pressure on Thorson and then, two, keep him under containment. Uh, this is a, a Northwestern team that I was – um, clearly wrong about it. You know, after they got boat raced by Duke earlier, I, I thought that uh, you know this team was kind of a fraud. But coming off of big time wins against Iowa, Michigan State, um, you know, they're pretty impressive. And maybe that might be at an advantage. Maybe these guys are a little tired coming off back to back overtime wins, mm-hmm. uh, mentally know, so, and physically. Mm-hmm. Well, when we come back, we're we're going to talk more about that matchup here 
in our next segment. And then uh, we're going to have an extended interview in this show today uh, with Nebraska's new athletic director, Bill Moose. I had a chance to talk with uh, um, Bill on Tuesday. You're going to hear that entire interview in our third segment. Then we'll take your questions in the mailbag um, as well as give you the latest in the world of Husker recruiting. Uh, it is still going to be a big recruiting weekend for Nebraska. A lot of guys coming in. Um, here down the stretch um, as Nebraska gets ready for one of their final two home games of the season. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Tops in the nation against the run for a good for a good reason. You know, they, they play hard, they play fast. You know, they got a good scheme and they have some good players. So it's not going to be easy. You got to stay on your blocks. We got to be tough, hard runners. There's going to have to be some hard yards that we get in there. Don't expect big holes. You're going to have to make some of your own holes out there against these guys. It's going to be a heavyweight fight in the run game. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. I was running backs coach Reggie Davis talking about the challenge Nebraska faces this week running the football against a Wildcat defense from Northwestern that has literally shut down everybody. And uh, Robin, Nate, that's brought up an interesting topic this week because under Mike Riley, Nebraska has been what you would call very traditional offensively. Um, but, you know, in the game this past Saturday against uh, Purdue, you saw the Huskers run up-tempo, no-huddle offense. They call it eight ball, where there's eight plays. And Nebraska actually executed eight plays on that final drive to score the touchdown to Stanley Morgan. Uh, and Tanner Lee was seven of eight passing with no timeouts and like 122 left on the clock when they got the ball. I think it's brought up the debate now, Robin. Should Nebraska run maybe no huddle here and there just to kind of change it up a little bit? Well, Mike Riley had a really telling comment after that game when he was asked about just the, the inability to run the ball and if there was ever a point where he just – uh, straight up thought about scrapping it all together and he said you know at, at some point you know we had to really kind of ask ourselves do we really want to keep running the ball on first down because they were getting zero yards on basically every carry and putting themselves behind the eight ball just to start things out on every drive and so I mean that was that's a real thing against Purdue Imagine what it's going to be like against Northwestern. And you add in the success they had, um, picking things up with Tanner Lee, um, you know, how that helped protection, um, and then Lee's ability to kind of use those check down passes to the running back as an extension of the running game. Um, I think it makes sense to some degree. Do I think they need to go and throw the ball 60 times and um, just run up-tempo the entire game? No, because, you know, when that doesn't work, you put your defense at a real disadvantage. And Nebraska's defense, frankly, is just not good enough um, to basically have that pressure put on in it. But I do think that they need to get um, a little more open offensively, you know, spread things out, put, you know, all those, all those young receivers on the field together uh, and just see, see what happens. Let Tanner Lee go to work because right now that is your number one source of offense is Tanner Lee throwing the ball. Uh, and you add in, you know, like I said, um, other ways to keep drives on schedule, you know, whether it would be check downs to the running backs, the tight ends were far more involved uh, against Purdue. So, I mean, I, I think that there are ways to work around their struggles in the running game while also capitalizing on what is your biggest strength in Tanner Lee. 
you have to do whatever it takes to win the game. And right now, it's not running the football. Somebody in the media uh, dug up a stat that 44% of Nebraska's runs this year have gone for two yards or less. And so, woof. yeah, woof. Brutal. <laughs> so clearly, I mean, that is, that's not one of your strengths right now. And for a team that needs to, to get wins at all costs, I, I think that you, you have to go with your strengths. And, um, and I think this past weekend, I liked the, the fact that the running backs got more involved in the past game. The tight end was actually a factor last weekend. Big factor. Tyler Hoppus. Yeah, huge. And, and that's something that we hadn't necessarily seen a whole lot of this year. So First 100 yards game since 2007 from a tight end at Nebraska yeah I mean so if you can continue doing that um, and and f- try and find a way to keep defenses honest I think that's the key here uh, is not just allowing them to to pin the ears back and and you know know that you're going to pass it on every play but um, yeah the run game is just it's not going to happen especially against this northwestern front you're listening to the Husker online show this segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln. It's your place before the game, after the game, during the game. Get on into Tanner's here uh, on your football weekend and and, uh, get some great wings and food um, to watch all the football action. But guys, as as we kind of wrap up uh, this discussion, um, you know, going forward with with this team, um, I, I think it's gotten to the point where they almost are like, we're done trying to appease the run the ball guy. We just have to do what works um, you know, we, we've tried to do it the way you quote unquote want it done, and that's not working. And and I think that fourth quarter was very evident. Well, they still ideally want to run the football. There's no doubt about oh, it. Oh, no I mean, doubt. They want balance. I mean, that's kind of the entire identity of Riley's and Langsdorf's offense is you know a good, healthy balance, setting up the pass through play action. You know, mm-hmm. with a with a steady running game. But uh, like you mentioned, the the reality is just not there. They can't do it. Um, the, the you defense, can't run on second and eight. Yeah, defenses aren't going to respect a, a run game that gets you zero and you know less than two yards on first and second down, and then sets you up in third and long. So I mean, um, like I said, the, the reality right now for this team is they have to play to their strengths, and their strength are Tanner Lee and an up-tempo pass-heavy offense. All right, when we come back, we had a chance to sit down with Nebraska's new athletic director, Bill Moose, for uh, an extended period on Tuesday. We wanted to bring that to you here uh, this week on the Husker Online Show. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. And earlier this week, I had a chance to sit down with Nebraska's new athletic director, Bill Moose, for a one-on-one interview. And we wanted to bring that to you this week on the Husker Online Show. Well, Bill, first of all, we appreciate the time uh, to get a chance to visit with you. Uh, you got a chance to, to, to watch your first game uh, this past Saturday, Nebraska at Purdue. Obviously a thrilling win um, just what were your thoughts getting your first taste of a Nebraska game um, on the road like that Saturday? Well, I really thought the staff did a great job on the road trip, and, and uh, I'm real particular on those kind of things, and so I was very impressed with that. But it was the first time that I got to uh, really see uh, the football team playing and warming up and uh, all the things that I like to take note of. Uh, and so. Uh, it, it was a, a work night for me, uh, and uh, really happy that we won that game. I thought it showed a lot of character coming from behind, uh, 
uh, to win it. Yeah, but I, 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 I got a little something now to, uh, to study and think about. And then, of course, I'm looking forward to the one this weekend against Northwestern. Yeah, how unique is the situation walking into a job in the middle of a football <laughs> season in the circumstances you're in? You've been around the block. You've been athletic director a long time. I mean, can you parallel any – uh, comparisons to kind of the situation you, you've walked into um, taking over in the middle of a football season like this? No, I really can't. Uh, the the other ones, um, I actually was hired in the winter or early spring and had a chance to uh, have my feet on the ground and really get acclimated before the fall sports season started. So uh, this is somewhat unique in that sense. And uh, so uh, Obviously, it's something that I want to pay a lot of attention to early on in this process and and uh, really try to get a, a feel for Coach Riley and what he's doing. And then he, he and I will sit down, uh, hopefully here in, in uh, the next week or so. I just want to pick his brain about his staff, uh, his recruiting philosophy, uh, the Big Ten. Um, most of my career has been uh, in the Pac-12, and so I really am, am uh, anxious to learn more about the Big Ten as well. What is your recruiting philosophy? You mentioned that. Are you a guy that believes in you've got to go for the most high-profile guys? Are you a developmental believer that, you know what, you can find the under-the-radar guys and turn them into the great players? How do you kind of look at football recruiting? Well, again, that, that has something to do with uh, uh, what, what caliber a program uh, we were always building programs everywhere I've been before, uh, and certainly not the rich tradition that Nebraska has. So uh, the the brand should sell Nebraska, and and the the fact that I really feel it it remains one of the uh, top football programs in college football, and. And yet I've always believed don't fly over good talent to go find good talent. Uh, get the very best players that are right in your backyard and then go fill in the gaps from there. You, you know, in recruiting before you got here, uh, both President Bounds and, and uh, Chancellor Green, they, they were heavily involved the last month, visited with recruits, kind of involved on campus. How do you envision, I mean, you're a football guy, you played the game, so you know that you got two sons that just went through the recruiting process not that long ago. What do you envision kind of your role in the, in the recruiting process with athletes when they come on campus? Well, anything that the coaches want me to do, I've always made myself available. And uh, my coaches in the past have always utilized me because uh, uh, I think the, the prospects, when they come onto campus, about 80% of the time, uh, it's been my experience, they're bringing one or two parents with them too that have different questions and want to see maybe a little bit different uh, things than the prospect uh, himself or herself. Uh, but I, I've always felt that uh, uh, they need to hear my vision and my passion uh, from the top uh, and, and reassurance that there will be stability and these kind of things because these are huge decisions that these young people are making. And I would have to think, and this again, I want to I talk to Coach Riley, that uh, uh, you're going to have top-notch prospects interested in coming to Nebraska that have got a lot of different options. So what can we lay out there that uh, is going to be very impressive to them? And that would be facilities and, 
and what we've got in this passionate fan base. I mean, there's nothing like it. I've been around a long time. This is pretty amazing. And just the, the wonderful uh, uh, town of Lincoln. I mean, uh, it's, it's, if you didn't know better, you thought it, you would think it was fake. <laughs> but these people are absolutely uh, genuine, very welcoming and caring. And uh, it's really a, a unique situation here that uh, makes it, uh, I think, a destination and should be a destination for young people who uh, are interested in competing at this level at a great university. Yeah, is that not, you always hear Nebraska fans are the most knowledgeable fans. If you picked up on that in a week, I mean, you get people here study every little aspect of this program, whether it's the, the backup tackle. Oh, it, it, and I like that. I, yes, I've gotten a couple suggestions uh, <laughs> in, the, in the last week or so, but uh, they are knowledgeable. And uh, I'll be able to witness my first home game coming up this Saturday and probably get a re really a lot better taste of that and a good feel for it. Some new rules in recruiting came down, uh, most notably the December signing period. Um, how do you see that affecting coaching movement here this year in college football in general? We've already seen Florida. Uh, they had their own reasons. They made a move. But how do you see people kind of reacting now to this December 20th signing day this year? Well, this will be new. And uh, I was involved in this legislation at the NCAA level. I think there's a lot of positives to it. Uh, certainly it, it could be uh, a problem and a challenge if there's going to be a coaching change in, at any, uh, any university. So we've got to kind of see how that goes. I, I do think that uh, <clears throat> in a program like we have here at Nebraska to secure top talent early and and get it over with is good for the program and really good for the for the young student athlete as well when um you kind of just look at um recruiting in general we talked about satellite camps that was another rule that was brought in nebraska took full advantage of that with the relationship with adidas um, how do you look at satellite camps i know um, there's some places like in the south or even places like maybe USC or Los Angeles they don't need the satellite camps and, and those are, seem to be the guys that are against them but if you come from Washington State or Nebraska um, it, it's really a benefit. Well it's a benefit for uh, Nebraska and other uh, schools that are somewhat remote in regards to the huge hotbeds of talent uh, but it's also uh, uh, good for the prospects themselves who maybe can't afford to get a plane ticket to come to Lincoln to go to a camp. And so we can go to their backyard. It's a lot more uh, cost effective for them. And uh, not everybody's going to be going to USC in Los Angeles. They can only take 25. Uh, so I, I was very, very much a, a proponent of it when I was at Washington State uh, so that at the time we had an opportunity to get in there and, and tap into that talent pool. And and the same, I, I've got to think, uh, philosophy holds true here at Nebraska. And, you know, this spring will be the first time that we'll see prospects take visits in the spring. You know, I think April, May, and June will right. be open for visits. Parents can now be obviously paid for. That's been a couple of years now that that's been uh, able to be done. Uh, how, how do you see that changing things in general? And and you know what kind of I mean, is the strategy going to be different everywhere as far as bringing the guys in early versus waiting to bring in guys late, et cetera? 
Well, again, <coughs> excuse me, it, it, uh, it speeds up the process and, and alleviates some of the stress and anxieties uh, on the prospect side. There, there will be some problems in regards to uh, the academic piece. Uh, are they going to qualify to be admitted and those kind of things? So uh, we're going to see kind of how that works out. Um, but uh, I, I really feel that if you can lock it up, much like in uh, men's basketball, uh, for example, uh, that early signing period in the fall, uh, they've got it all done before they go into their senior season. Now there's pros and cons to that, but I've got to think that most of them are positive. Let's talk about facilities now. When you, You've now had a chance to really see everything at Nebraska um, probably in the last week or so. Um, overall take on the facilities and maybe an area or two that, you know what, let's make this better over time? Uh, I think I'd be safe in saying they're the best I've ever seen. Uh, and I've been everywhere. Um, better than Oregon. Uh, yeah. And uh, Oregon's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've been a builder uh, most of my career. So I've taken design teams around the country and looked and cherry-picked at some of the features. In fact, I brought a design team here uh -huh. uh, when we were building some things at Washington State and uh, also when we were building some things at Oregon. But uh, top to bottom, this is about as good as I've seen. And I, I'm not just talking football. Football's really good. But uh, <clears throat> the basketball uh, facilities are first cabin, you go out to tennis and soccer, baseball, softball. Uh, I, I went on a facility tour with uh, uh, one of my staff members, and we were on the tour for four and a half hours, and we only got halfway done. So we're going to take the rest of it today, uh, this afternoon, which I'm looking forward to. So uh, I, I just think it's, it's outstanding. And that, that uh, is so important, first of all, to attract the top talent in all these sports, but also to develop them once they're here. Uh, we, we've got some things that need to be addressed, uh, and, and some of it's in the north and south uh, sides of ends of, the, of Memorial Stadium uh, to make it a little more user-friendly for our great fans. And uh, there's some things, swimming needs some attention, uh, gymnastics. Uh, I think we got the number one volleyball venue in the United States, and I'm eager to see that in action. I have, I have gone through it, but not with 8,500 fans uh, cheering, and I'm going to get to see that on Friday. Did you almost <clears> have to <throat> double take when you saw, like, wait a minute, this is the volleyball arena, and they filled uh, us up? I'd heard about it, but seeing is a whole different deal. And, uh, again, that, uh, that's Nebraska, and uh, it, you can see why I'm so excited to be here. When um, <coughs> you look at the basketball arena set up, too, have you seen much like that around the country as far as the relationship of a city building a big arena that the university pretty much can, you know, have almost ownership of the, of, of the place as well? Well, there are a few examples. Uh, none come to mind, but uh, there, there are a couple. But, this, again, this is <laughs> pretty special. I have not been in it yet. I will be in this, this week. I uh, almost went to a concert there the first night I was here, but I, I wanted to get plenty of rest to get started, <laughs> but there'll be others down the road. But, uh, you know, it's location uh, from the outside. It's, it's just uh, uh, awesome. 
um, and I'm eager to get in. And I, I hear that when the crowd's in there, it's it's pretty special as well. Now, have you looked at getting around the state now more and kind of familiarizing yourself just with the nooks and crannies of this state and, and the different parts of this state over the next few months? Yeah, well, I've we've had a uh, function my my first night on the job in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And then uh, last night, Monday night, we had one in Omaha. And uh, uh, I know we'll have a lot more, but I wanted to make sure that I got out to those two markets right away. And I'm going to love going to the various uh, small towns around the state because that's kind of where I'm from. And uh, talk about uh, Husker sports, but also raising corn and wheat and soybeans and cattle. <laughs> well, have you found a good steak yet in Lincoln? I think a lot of people want to know. At least Bill Moose at least found a nice piece of meat in this town yet? Uh, well, I've, uh, I'm, let me put it this way. I haven't found a bad one. Uh, <laughs> take a lot of pride in the, in the beef uh, production here, too, I can tell. Well, hey, we appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to following your tenure here at Nebraska. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. And thanks again to Nebraska's new athletic director, Bill Moose, for joining us this week. When we come back on the show, we'll take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think all three times we've played them, it's been a close game ever since I've been here. I mean, they're a great team. They're they're well coached, and it just shows in the way that they play. And I think knowing that it's probably going to come down to a kick eventually, you know, whether it's in the first or fourth quarter, it's exciting for me, and it, it really helps. It keeps me motivated throughout the week and because you just never really know when a kick is going to be important. It's a good thing to have to, to know it's going to be a close game. It's going to be exciting. And welcome back here to the Oscar Online Show. That was kicker Drew Brown as he – Reflects on what's really been a fun series, Nebraska Northwestern. The road team is 5-1 and all-time. Nebraska's 3-0 and in Evanston. The only home win coming on a Jordan Westerkamp Hail Mary that celebrated its third, fourth anniversary here on November 2nd. Um, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. It's that time to bring in the mailbag. Husker Line intern David Eichel joining us in stu uh, studio. A lot of questions this week, David. What do you got? Nebraska's in the top 10 last season. Was it just a perfect storm of every variable to bring them to where they are now, or is it just bad luck? Help them point the fingers. I think when you look at last year, a lot of it is they won their games. The Oregon game last year, uh, a lot of weight was put on that win in the poll uh, because Oregon was ranked coming into Lincoln, um, and, and they weren't a bad team, and then all the injuries affected that team, and they kind of fell off the rails. But I think when they beat Oregon on ABC – that really kind of put things on the map. And then Nebraska did win ugly, really, the next month before they played Wisconsin. Um, and, and then they played Wisconsin very tough, who the week before took Ohio State to overtime. So a lot of stock was put in that. I mean, Nebraska, let's face it, they went into the Iowa game 9-2. and two. I mean, it wasn't like the season sucked last year. I mean, they, they were 9-2 and two going into the Iowa game um, with a chance to finish 10-2 and two in the regular season. And um, they had a few breaks go their way, but um, – Easily last year was a much better season than what we've seen this year, no doubt. 
Yeah, really. I mean, uh, I mean, yes, they lost in overtime at Wisconsin, but they won a close one against Oregon. And so, I mean, those kind of essentially cancel each other out. And really the only, until that Iowa game, the real blemish was that Ohio State debacle. Other than that, um, they did what they were supposed to do. I mean, yes, you can say what you want about the schedule, but they won those games. And a lot of them, especially early, they controlled them. I mean, they went to Evanston and beat a good Northwestern team. They went to Indiana, who was playing pretty good football, and went and won there. Uh, so, I mean, that... It is what when, when you when you're seven and zero and you get to seven and zero and you're in the Big Ten you're just going to get elevated in the rankings that's yeah. just how it works yeah I mean there's several teams that uh, have benefited from that over the years and so I think that yeah it was a, a partly uh, a setup of a favorable first half of the schedule um, but I do think you know we just remember the, the terrible losses than we do some of the uh, more impressive wins yeah and remember how dominant they were in the fourth quarter. Last year, I mean, yes. they were the their, their margin was unbelievable. Yeah, the differential, the scoring differential in the fourth quarter was leading the nation for much of the much of that season. So, um, and especially they got the run game going too. Uh, I mean, Terrell Newby in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. was averaging like almost nine yards per carry or something ridiculous like that. So, I mean, I think they were playing better football last year, uh, albeit against maybe a little easier schedule to, to start things off. But um, yeah. It, Overall, just uh, you know, I think last year they were playing better football. People might scoff at this, but they even held like Minnesota to their worst rushing output of the season. They held Maryland to their worst rushing output of the season. They played a lot better defense at times a year ago, um, you know, late in the year even. And then obviously the Iowa game just erased everything they did. All right, what do you got next for us? Do you feel that our fan base has lost touch a bit with reality due to being overly passionate? Are they expecting too much too soon? I don't know. I mean, I think you can say that about every fan base. Everyone's optimistic. It's like opening day in baseball. You think your team's got a chance. And I feel the same way every August. Nebraska fans think they have a chance. The biggest thing is play a physical brand of football. Execute the 101 football situations um, and, and, and put a product on the field that fans are proud of. It's pretty simple. And occasionally, you know, not occasionally, but be in the contention to win the Big Ten West. I do not think those are unrealistic fan goals right now. I'm with you. I mean, if you think Nebraska fans are out of touch, travel a few hundred miles down south and hang out around some SEC fans. I mean, talk about out of touch and um, completely delusional in some cases. I mean, it's a different beast down there. And so, I mean, Nebraska, they're, you know, obviously they're starving for success. They like you said Sean, they want something to be proud of. They want something to cheer for and they don't want to go and lose by 50 some points every time they play a good team. And unfortunately, that has been the case for far too long and fans are angry about it. You know, they're tired of waiting for next year. And at some point, you know, that they they want to see this team finally turn it on. And, you know, unfortunately, um that has kind of narrowed the patience down uh, to where if you're not getting it done in 3 years, it's time to move on. Yeah, out of touch. I I don't I don't know if I'd say that, I, but definitely impatient now after after waiting, you know, for <laughs> so long to to have a team to even um, to to win a conference title or, or to to really be a consistent conference t- uh, title contender. So, um, but I think more than anything, yeah, if you if you could field a team that uh, that did the fundamental things of football well and played well, and, and I think fans could accept in some cases getting 
you know, uh, getting beat by a team that's more talented like you or than you than, you know, like a Ohio State or, or whoever. But, um, yeah, give them something to be proud of, and I think that, that the, uh, the hand-wringing would definitely go away. If Riley's retained, do you see him making moves on some staff members or possibly see staff members leave for uncertainty? Um, I think it's gotten to the point where you're, you're going to see coaching changes every year on a staff. Or I mean, it's just that's just the nature of the game of college football, um, and we've seen it every year with Riley. So, yeah, if he were to be retained, and uh, right now I don't think he will be. I think, I mean, if you're looking at yourself in the mirror, put a gun to your head, and you had to ask me, right now today, I, I, I don't think he will be back. So I don't know if it will be a conversation that matters at this point. Yeah, and I mean, even if he is, if you're an assistant on that staff, uh, I do think there's something to kind of knowing the the outlaw or the lay of the land a little bit. And if you have an opportunity to go somewhere with a little bit more stability, um, maybe even if it's a little less high profile, uh, maybe that's the best opportunity just because there is just so much uncertainty right now. And like you said, Sean, I'm with you. I, I don't think that um, it'll be, I think this will kind of be a moot point uh, in, in a month or two, but um, I do think that uh, if you're one of those coaches, you have to start uh, maybe looking out at some other options. Well, and, and the, I mean, history has shown here over the past few years that um, Riley's not afraid to, to make a few changes if there, if he sees a weakness or something on his staff. So, um, so yeah, I think if, if he's retained, there's definitely going to be at least one or two uh, changes made. You got something quick to end on here, Dave? For Robin, do we see Nana in the exhibition game, and will Thorier get more minutes? Uh I would be surprised if they didn't at least throw him out there. Um, but will they redshirt this season? I think right now uh, the needle is leaning towards yes uh, for both of those guys, um, and which is kind of surprising because um, I thought that this you know team wasn't in a position to really redshirt guys, but they have a lot of depth, and if guys aren't ready to play and maybe could benefit from a year off, I think that uh, I mean it'll ultimately be up to the player, but I think that both of those guys could definitely stand to, to gain from a year off. All right, when we come back on the show, we're going to close things up with some recruiting as Nebraska will host some visitors this weekend. And uh, the big news obviously coming with the decommitment of Bookie Radley-Hiles. We'll get Nate's take on all that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk Husker recruiting, Nate. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of taking that turn right now with all the uncertainty out there with the program and the coaching staff. Uh, with a lot of questions out there, you knew it was going to lead to some potential recruiting decommitments and guys taking visits. And, and the big one finally happened for Nebraska this week on Tuesday night. Uh, Brennan Radley-Hiles, known as Buki, um, officially decommitted from Nebraska, he's an early enrollee. Reopened up his recruitment, and you know now it, it's you know it looks like Oklahoma, UCLA, Clemson, teams like that are in the mix now with Buki. Nate, what is your take on that entire situation? Well, it hurts. But I mean, Buki was the the guy in this class, and the class was kind of built around him, and he was. Um, you know, pretty big catalyst for getting other kids to commit, getting other guys on campus, or to even take a closer look at Nebraska. So now that he's gone, not only does Nebraska need to fill another cornerback in this class, um, and, and that's arguably the the biggest need in this recruiting class. I think they're gonna, you know, they need to take four, maybe even five defensive backs in this class. So um, to lose one hurts, and then to, to lose one of his caliber hurts even more. But I think. 
think the what you really are scared about if you're a Nebraska coach is that um, a guy of his profile stepping out of this class may potentially leave the door open to to have others follow suit, and um, and so they're really working hard to try and make sure that that does not happen. Um, now I know that. Uh, uh, for the longest time, Buki had had told me that you know what, as long as Mike Riley is there, as long as as uh, Dante Williams is there, uh, Ty John Lindsay obviously is on the team. You know, as long as those guys are there, I'm going to be going to Nebraska. But I think as time went on, um, you know, and, and there's so much, so many questions surrounding the future of all of those guys. Uh, I think that he had to make kind of a business decision and say, okay, are these guys that I'm kind of connected with, uh, are they going to be there throughout my entire college career? If not, maybe I need to look for a better spot for myself. And that's one thing he mentioned after the Oklahoma official visit is that the stability there on that staff and with the program in general. You know, this is a program that's playing for a conference title every year. It's playing, you know, is in the national championship or at least college football playoff talk, um, you know, most years. And, uh, and for the most part, Part, they've had an awful lot of stability. So, um, you know, this was just kind of an unfortunate situation uh, for Nebraska. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting. Now, Nebraska, Nate, down to 10 commitments. They have 18 seniors on scholarship today, um, and that's before any kind of attrition. Um, so technically, Big Ten rules now would allow a class of 21 um, so really only about half of this class is full. Mike Riley earlier this year said 18, but I think – you and I know what's going on, and it wouldn't be surprising at all if Nebraska brings in 20 or have transfers come in this offseason. But you look at Chase Williams, Mario Goodrich, Joshua Moore, uh, those, that trio of four stars, and I'll throw Cameron Brown in there, um, a high three-star out of St. Louis. What's your level of concern with that group right now? Well, it's, it's fairly high. Uh, I mean, those guys are – uh, High-profile players. They're they're the types of players that once they committed to Nebraska, they didn't have their the other teams that were recruiting them just drop off and say, oh, "Okay, well, congrats." You know, enjoy they, your time in league. Yeah, <laughs> no, they they continue to recruit these guys, and and um, and with the questions surrounding the program, uh, most of those guys are taking a closer look at some other teams or setting up visits. You know, we know Joshua Moore already visited Alabama. There's a good chance that he visits Florida State in the near future. Uh, Mario Goodrich is is uh, contemplating a couple visits. I know uh, Chase Williams is going to be taking an official visit to USC, and the Trojans have really come on strong uh, with him here over the last month or so. Um, so, and then Cameron Brown too, I think, is um, looking at some other options just in case. And I think that's smart. I mean, I don't think you can blame these kids for for at least having a plan B in place in, in case there's some changes that are made. And and everyone always says, well, these kids need to commit to the to the school and not to the coach. And that's just not the reality of recruiting these days. It's I, relationships. It's all relationships, especially when you're in Nebraska and you have to recruit nationwide. You that's know? why Dante Williams and Keith Williams are the highest paid position coaches in the country because they can develop the relationships and recruit. Exactly. When when you're a kid from uh, inner city LA or from Miami or and you, you've got to fly halfway across the country, um, you're, not, you're not committing be, to Nebraska because uh, you, you love their college 
knowledge of business. You're committing to them because you trust the coaches that have been recruiting you for the last couple of years. Uh, so uh, that's just unrealistic to, to say that. But, um, yeah, all those guys I, I think are, are potentially players that, that we could see leave uh, this class. I don't think that they will all leave. Uh, you know, in, in fact, Joshua Moore is visiting Nebraska again unofficially this weekend. So that's going to be his, what, third or fourth unofficial visit here in the last four or five, six months. So uh, I think that's a good sign to have him come in on, on his own dime once again. Well, at A&M, where his brother's committed, I mean, they've got their own turmoil. Yep. So, like, that family, the Moore family, um, twin brothers, they're dealing with a lot in that household right now. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and I know, and Joshua has been very adamant about – uh, how much he wants to to come in and, and help this program get over the hump, and how he thinks that he can be an impact guy right away, and that's and that's part of the appeal to him is that he feels like he can make an impact uh, immediately, and he's an early enrollee, uh, would would be here, you know, for the spring semester, so. Um, you know, and that's all something to, to keep a close eye on, too, because I think seven out of the 10 commits now or six out of the 10 commits now are all early enrollees. Uh, so they're players that will be signing early December. Um, and for a lot of these guys, uh, I think that uh, they're going to have to make some decisions here pretty quick, because if they're not going to Nebraska, they need to get admitted and get the paperwork, academic paperwork in order to potentially enroll uh, at some other program. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callis. Hand Nate Klaus as we uh, talk recruiting, Nate, and um, you know it is going to still be a a pretty big weekend for Nebraska in recruiting. I think that's caught a lot of our fan base on the Red Sea Scrolls and Husker Online by surprise. But you know the staff is not turning anything off; they're they're continuing to recruit, and that's evident by the the number of visitors coming in this weekend. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm I'm not surprised one bit. Um, it is it turned into a bigger weekend than I initially thought it would be. But I did not see recruiting, you know, tailing off completely. I, you know, in these types of situations, uh, as a coach, I think you you crank up your your recruiting attention, you dial it up a little bit more because of two reasons. One, um, you want to prove, you want to show your worth. I mean, if you're if you're potentially auditioning to to stay here or, or even auditioning for a new job somewhere else, uh, you need to show that uh, that you can recruit under any type of circumstances. And I think getting a commitment uh, amongst you know or amidst all this turmoil would really say hey this guy is one hell of a recruiter so uh, and they've got some some big time players coming in five star wide receiver Jalen Hall out of Long Beach Poly is coming in uh, you've got a couple four stars uh, and Kalen Gervin the cornerback out of Detroit Cast Tech uh, Mario Goodrich a four star commit it will be in town uh, running back J- Jeremy Banks who just picked up an offer from Nebraska over the bye week out of Tennessee is going to be in town and this is a kid that's that's really seen his stock rise uh, quite a bit here over the last few weeks. Just picked up an offer from USC the other day. I think his last game he rushed for like 479 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, and at 6'2", 210 pounds, I think that uh, he would be a welcome addition to that backfield. Uh, Chris Blyke, the UCLA. That's offensive. kind of a surprise one. Yeah, it is kind of a surprise. You know, he's off UCLA commit. Um, you know, he visited, he decommitted from Penn State uh, when he visited Nebraska in the spring, and it looked like he was Nebraska's to lose. And then all of a sudden, he kind of pulled a surprise commitment to the Bruins uh, in June. But apparently, uh, Coach Kavanaugh has kept in touch with him this entire time and and he's coming to, to check out a game uh, and, and I think there's a chance that they could potentially flip him uh, because you know going from Pennsylvania to 
to uh, L.A. To L.A. I mean, that's that's a long ways away from home. Uh, and I know that his father has dealt with some some health issues. So, I mean, you, you got seven official visitors in this weekend um, for a two thirty kick. I, I think you know, considering the circumstances, that's about as as much as you could ask for. Well, it should be uh, an interesting weekend, no doubt, as we'll have complete coverage not only of the game. Um, but also, obviously, the full recruiting weekend. And uh, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.